Hey everybody, welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like a Jean-Claude Van Damme film. Just stupid fun. <laughs> Today on the show, I wanted to talk about the concept of alone. Being alone, whether it's in your head or emotionally or in a relationship or it just really like kind of the human philosophical aspect of being alone. Um, there's a lot to break down here and just kind of like a warning that sometimes this type of topic is a little bit heavy for some people. Um, and it kind of goes into a little bit of an existential thing. So just a quick kind of heads up that that's the thing. That's what I'm going to go into. Um, and, uh, all of that fun stuff. So without further ado, let's kick out the intro and make this thing fun. Drums, please. All right. So I, 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 I messed up the thing again on screen, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, today on the show, we're talking about this concept of being alone. Uh, it's something that is uh, tricky for a lot of people. You know, a lot of people don't like to be alone and some people love it. Um, so that's really what I wanted to weigh on is like this difference between how people approach being alone and how people feel about being alone. Um, this is not something I got a chance to do a little bit of market research on, so I might come back and see what people feel about this episode. Or if you guys are in the dopamine group, which is where I'm recording this, please leave your thoughts on this concept, um, whether it's what I talk about or how what makes you uh, what what the word alone makes you think of. How do you feel when you see the word alone? Does it excite you? Does it scare you? You fall into, oh, just burped. Sorry. Do you fall into some sense of existential dread? You know, is it hard for you to do that? So, or talk about being alone. Um, so I guess one of the first things we can kind of talk about is, well, that I'm recording this in the dopamine group. So please, if you want to see live recordings of this episode of this show, which usually happens um, sporadically through the week, I'm thinking of doing these on Saturdays around noon or one. I record like two episodes in a row so that they can get posted um, the following week. And that's what I'm doing today. So there was a, there was a live show, uh, not long before this one. And I, I talked about the previous, um, topic and now I'm recording this one. So, uh, that's where you can join us for conversations, add, adding your thoughts and comments as I'm speaking. And we can kind of make this a little bit more of a dynamic conversation, but for the most part, I'm pretty much used to talking by myself. Um, I've been doing this for about a year, um, for podcasting. And it's something where I've gotten comfortable speaking about a topic at length. Um, but also, um, I'm just used to being alone in terms of like physically. And I really like it. You know, I'm again, I'm a, I'm kind of like a more extreme introvert. I'm an INTP, which our sort of, um, focus is, 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 uh, identity and being very individualistic. And that reigns very true for me. Um, and if it wasn't for any kind of a desire to have a relationship and a close bond with someone, then I would probably spend all of my time alone, <laughs> to be honest. You know, I really spend a lot of my time with her and I don't interact with too many other people outside of this apartment. Um, I do interact online with people, but even that is very selective. So for the most part, 
you know, I'm the type of person that really enjoys being alone. I enjoy time to myself. And that is part of some of the boundaries that I'm, I've been considering placing on my life. Um, throughout my life, I've had issues um, when I was younger with, you know, my, my family, we're basically a bunch of introverts. So everyone kind of goes to their own rooms, but whenever we interacted with each other for too long, things got a little bit hairy. So, you know, it became pretty important for me to make sure that I'm giving myself enough space to be an introvert and be on my own. Um, and I think that reigns true for a lot of people who kind of find out that they're an introvert at uh, a little bit later in life at some point. Um, you know, we get kind of used to the social expectations. I think, uh, I think socially, all the social constructs in life with like school and work and stuff are a little bit catered towards the easiness of being an extrovert uh, and being comfortable with people and being social. And uh, introverts can be social, but um, for some of the more extreme introverts like myself, you know, being social has always been difficult. I just can't I can read people from like a sociological perspective, like I can understand people's intent and, um, you know, I'm really good at reading people at poker and stuff like that, but I'm not good at, at, uh, empathizing with people's emotional states. You know, when people say that they feel other people's emotions, I don't get that at all. I have to like, look at, I have to look for physical signs. So I have to look for more cognitive signs versus empathic signs of, of, you know, social interactions and stuff. So I've just gotten used to the idea of being alone because everything outside of these walls is very sensory overloading for me. I'm constantly taking in information and constantly adapting that information to my own sense of understanding about life and people and such. So I spend a lot of time on my own thinking about those things. I think about um, everything that I've explored in the world and everything that I've done. And I do get out in the world and I do explore and do things. Um, but for the most part, I can spend long spans of time on my own, which is why I'm able to have two podcasts and record them on my own and do all these videos and such, because I spend a lot of time on my own. You know, Molly's at work um, and it gives me time to work and think on my own, because if I have to be in a place where I'm... Uh, having to express my internal thought process to other people, things go a little bit slower. And, you know, for me, I just, I just don't like that. It feels very inefficient and, and I don't like to have to navigate emotional states of people and figure all that stuff out. So, you know, for me, being alone is, is actually a good thing. I, I like it for the most part. Um, in terms of like relationships and connections, I still do value that sort of stuff too. So for me, having deeper connections with people is pretty important. And that means I can't just do shallow small talk. I can at like coffee shops and stuff. I can say hi, I can be nice. And that's something that I've, I've learned over time to be better at that sort of thing. But I also learned that through, you know, my dad's a sales guy. So I've learned how to connect with people with an intent, you know, um, I've, I take, I took the, um, the disc test once the DISC test, which I think is fairly reductive, but it's, there's some useful information in there. Um, where I learned through that, and it makes perfect sense that I am nearly a hundred percent an extrovert when it comes to business. <laughs> and, uh, it's very true. You know, when I have an intent and I have an agenda and I have, um, or someone pay is paying me to speak to them, I could totally turn it on and I could speak to you all day long. You know, the same thing with this podcast, if I, outside of this podcast or outside of, um, personal or professional things, I'm not very talkative. 
Um, you know, Molly and I talk a lot because uh, that relationship is very valuable to me and connecting individually with her is super important. And I think it's really nice to be able to express who I, how I am and who I am, um, you know, in a more natural way to someone who's very understanding and, and is willing to listen to me in that sense. Um, so that, that, that kind of transitions me over to kind of like romantic relationships, because for me, friendships and romantic relationships are a little bit similar in terms of the depth of, of, um, the depth of quality that I prefer to have in friendships as well as in a relationship, you know, friendships, I have a lot of acquaintances, you know, I have a lot of people who like the charm that I sometimes exude and they like appreciate some of the little quips that I say, but for me, it's all in passing. You know, it's almost like when you're, when you do a show and people come up to you afterwards and they're like asking for your autograph and they're telling you nice things and you're just like, Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. You're not forming intense bonds with them. You're just saying, thank you. I really appreciate you. You're appreciating the whole, you're appreciating the crowd. You're appreciating the fans. You're appreciating the people. And that's kind of how, I am for the most part with like acquaintances and people who like things about me. Um, and it sounds a little messed up when you say it like that, but it's true. And there are very few strong bonds that I form with friendships. Um, because I prefer talking about ideas. I prefer talking about depth of things. I don't really like monotonous day to day. How's the weather kind of stuff like that feels uh, needless and wasteful to me in terms of conversation, I would rather move on and I very much value my time. So valuing my time alone, especially is important. So if I feel like someone is eating up on that time because of the desire to have small talk or to connect with me on a shallow level, I just don't like that. I don't appreciate it. And I've learned ways to, you know, to, to move on from that and, and in a respectful way, you know, and not tell people to just shove off, but to find elegant ways to move on to the next thing or to the next conversation or go to the next place. Um, you know, and the, those are some struggles that I've had in relationships as well in my past is, um, is, is being able to connect with, you know, their families or their friends who are kind of used to forcing each other into social interactions or like family reunions or family gatherings and stuff. I'm not a person that follows tradition at all. I don't like it. I barely celebrate, celebrate Christmas. <laughs> and that's only because it's kind of like, there's a fun, jolly element to it. And I enjoy that aspect. Um, but you know, I don't think about holidays. I don't think about get togethers. I, I don't, I just don't cherish that sort of thing. And it's not a knock against anyone who does. That's just not my thing. So it's really hard to it's been it's been hard to connect w in, in a romantic way to someone because I favor my alone time. I my autonomy is super important, and I would rather spend most of the time with myself, and then a lot of my other time with the other person, and that's really it. <laughs> um, so it's really healthy for for me to make sure that part of that relationship is 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 having time that we're doing things on our own and. I think I've had relationships in my past that are, you know, kind of cliche things about relationships are, are having to spend all of your time together. And, um, that becomes kind of codependent sometimes. And, and for me, that's just, it doesn't feel healthy. And for me, I'd like to spend time on my own. I like to do these shows. I like to, to talk about things and share concepts and, and, and make stuff. And I feel like 
my ability to do that comes with being alone and spending time in front of the computer or, you know, writing stuff or reading stuff or researching or watching YouTube videos or whatever the case may be. And all of that comes on my own because if, when I'm doing that with somebody else, I have to consider what they want. <laughs> this sounds messed up, but it's hard. Um, you know, Molly's incredibly understanding, but, you know, I still consider that, that I don't want to overload her with certain types of inform information or certain things that, that I would love and dive into in such intense depth. And it's the same thing for her because she's a little bit more, you know, spiritual and religious and stuff like that. And I'm not at all for that either. So we talk about that and find ways to bridge those discussions. But for the most part, that's kind of, that's her journey. And, you know, she needs to find the room to work on that too. And she'll talk to me about it and we'll work about the work through those things. But you know, if I were to listen to that all the time or be involved in that all the time, I might accidentally include my own cynicism in it and it wouldn't be very helpful in our relationship. So it's, it's, for me, it's been about years of trying to find ways to strike that balance and create those boundaries when it comes to, you know, talking, uh, talking to my partner about how much time I need to myself and not feeling guilty or being guilted about that time that I need. Um, because that's just my, my natural state. And that's kind of the tricky thing about INTPs in particular is that we're kind of like this paradox where we want to spend all of this time on our own, but we don't want to be lonely. Like, I don't want to not have a partner. <laughs> I really enjoy having a partner and someone who really respects and appreciates who I am and the knowledge and things that I input into the world. And, um, you know, the value that she provides me as well is super valuable to me. So if I was feeling alone, versus being alone, you know, that's a very different thing, which I think is another thing we can transition into is feeling lonely versus being alone. And, you know, feeling lonely is, again, that's something that kind of translate different translates differently to different people. It's something that, um, that, you know, learning through Myers-Briggs and stuff has helped me to realize more so that, that my way of thinking is not the way that everyone should think, <laughs> which is a problem I've had a lot of my life, um, because everything just rationally makes sense to me. But, and, but other people are other people and they have their own upbringings and they have their own brain chemistry and they have their own cognitive functions and the way that they approach the world. So people feel differently and lonely in different ways. Um, some people are quicker to feel lonely than others. Some people think about it in the grand scheme versus being right now. Some people don't physically like to be alone. Um, you know, my, my ex-wife, with all due respect to her, she didn't really like to physically be alone. Um, and, and, you know, that was a, that was an impasse that we had. Um, and sometimes that feeling of being lonely translates, like I said, differently to different people. So if you're a person who is very people focused, your, your capacity for being alone is going to be much lower. Your, you, your focus on wanting to be around other people or communicating with other people, or at least, tricking your brain into feeling like you're communicating with other people is, um, is, is going to be important for you to put a lot of energy and focus on and create certain boundaries to, to, to allow that to happen or open certain doors to allow that to happen. Whereas with me as an INTP or different types, INFJs, ISFJs, things like that, don't really, uh, they, they, they kind of play with this idea of being alone or being feeling lonely versus being alone. You know, lone, INFJs, for example, often feel very lonely because they're a feeling type um, and they're one of the most unique types in the world. And they tend to want to connect very deeply and strongly with people on an emotional level, but on their emotional level, 
and that's the that's the difference and the very specific thing about INFJs is that they have like they have very strong convictions, they have very strong thoughts on things, they have very very narrowed I would uh, very specific perspectives on uh, on ideas and things, but they play a lot within that space, and they they want someone who respects and appreciates them wholeheartedly in that sense. You know, my my dad and I, um, he's likely an INFJ or an ENFJ, um, and he very much appreciates when somebody's on board with him. You know, on board with his line of thinking and his and whatever, and. Um, you know, sometimes when they feel like they're being threatened, uh, their perspective or whatever's being threatened, they can kind of lash out and be very sensitive. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of INFJs will uh, talk about feeling lonely, even in relationships, even when they have kids, even when they have a lot of family around, they'll feel lonely because they're, uh, they're looking for something more. They're looking for feeling depth and cognitive attachment and, um, an an emotional attachment to somebody and being able to talk about deep concepts all the time. And frankly, everyone's not like that. And, you know, it takes a little bit of work on both ends to both uh, um, find the right people that will make you not feel lonely, but also look and well, yeah, it's really that one thing. It's just looking for people who will make you not feel lonely and having to give a little bit more to get to that point. So I, I had a recent conversation with somebody who is an INFJ about that. Um, but this kind of applies to basically all types of people is that if you're feeling lonely and you're not and you're putting that all on romantic relationships or friendships or whatever, you know, you have to you have to realize that you have to put in some effort to make that different. You know, you might have to make some some adjustments to to how you approach the world, not necessarily your personality, but but understanding almost leaning more into your personality so that you can like create a stronger beacon of yourself and your ability to, to understand, you know, who, what other people are, um, or where the other people are that will connect with you and resonate with you. Um, if that, if that makes sense, basically you're trying to tune your strengths, um, of your personality, whether you're an intense feeling type or an intense intuitive type or, um, you know, more technical, where you're very outwardly expressive or internally expressive, you know, finding ways to, to hone those skills so that you can, you know, attract the other people in your life, uh, that will make you not feel so alone. You know, loneliness often is about being misunderstood or underappreciated, right? So when you can kind of cultivate your own strength as to who you are, that will help you to be able to, to strengthen that beacon, uh, of, of attracting people who fit your, your, your scope of life, the, that fit the energy that you're putting off. Um, if that, if that totally makes sense, you know, and then we can kind of wrap up with, um, talking a little bit more about, uh, uh, kind of aloneness in the existential sense, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I'm not trying to get to a point where this is like a depressive thing, but when you really think about it, you know, we are the only person in our lives that we're going to spend a hundred percent of our time with, you know, we're going to hopefully understand ourselves more than anyone else could. Um, so it's almost not fair to put our, our happiness, our health, our, um, desire to not feel alone or to feel alone or to set boundaries, whatever. It's almost unfair to put that on anyone else because, you know, the, it's, it's going to sound kind of sad and lonely, but 
not everyone who's presently in your life is always going to be there. Um, you know, people lean on like, oh, my puppy makes me happy, but you know, the puppy's going to pass away. <laughs> I'm sorry. That sounds so horrible. <laughs> I don't mean it to be depressing, but I'm just saying that if you, if you work a little bit harder to fortify your internal understanding and not leaning on other things that you're just going to last longer, you know, you're going to, you're going to be able to build your strength of being, a, of being physically alone or, um, or, or finding ways to not feel so alone by finding ways to attract the right people in your life. Um, so, Really, what I'm trying to get at with the existential aspect of being alone from the human perspective is just that, you know, we need to take 100% responsibility over who we are and what we do and the choices we make and the boundaries we set. You know, our our lives are not someone else's. You know, they're not your mother's. They're not your father's, your spouse's, your friend's. They're not your boss's. It's, it's not your boss's life. It's not your HR rep's life. It's not your lawyer's life. It's your life. You're the person that's always making the decisions in your life about what you want, what you can tolerate, what you want to be around, what you want to do with yourself, who you want to bang, who you want to stay away from. <laughs> you know, all of those decisions are yours because you are 100% yourself uh, 100% of the time. And from now until the day you die, that is the way it's going to be. So, Again, I apologize for the heaviness and the existentialness of it, but that's the truth. You know, I appreciate uh, my partner so much. I appreciate my family so much. I appreciate everyone that I come in contact with who has sent positive things and has supported me and helped me in, in so many ways. You know, my son, I haven't even met him and I know he's amazing. And there are just so many things that I know are going to be such strong motivators and things that'll make me not feel lonely in my life. But, you know, ultimately it's up to me to make sure that I'm kind of shifting my way of thinking to allow myself to accept the love that's coming in, but also be able to cultivate love when it's not coming from an external source. So I hope that makes sense. Um, so yeah, that's the gist of what I wanted to get at. That is a heavy topic. I need to go rest <laughs> for a little bit. Um, but yeah, this, this is a pretty big, important topic of being alone. Uh, so let me know what you think about that. What do you think about the existential aspect of being alone, relationships, uh, friendships, and then physically, do you like to be alone? Do you prefer to be out with, out in the world um, with other people or in nature or indoors or outdoors? Uh, what is, what is your situation like? Um, and are you even aware of it? You know, is this something that you maybe need a little bit of help? Maybe you used to think that you're one type and you're very obviously another, you know, like Molly, for instance, has said that when she was younger, she thought she was an introvert because she's an artist and artists are usually introverts, but she's very much an extrovert. And in seeing her work a room with people is like amazing to watch. Like her superpowers are in action. You know, she's exploring, she's going from one person to the next and gathering information from people and getting a gist for the room and feeling, feeling how the, the essence of everything is. So, you know, so, so that has been helpful for her to eventually understand more about <clears throat> who she is as an ENFP and me as an INTP has allowed me to not feel so bad about wanting to be alone all the time and not feel bad about setting the boundaries that I want to set. Um, but also realizing that that extroverted exploration is also important for me too, which is my second function on my stack. So with that, I wanted to let you guys know that I do 
these um, identity explorations through consultations. Um, so if you go to calendly.com slash cnotemedia slash MBTI, you can set up a chat with me. The first chat's for free. It's a 45-minute to an hour chat about your type. I tell you everything that you want to know about your type and how it relates to your life. And then if it's something where you want to explore something more specific, like relationships or workplace stuff, um, or learning more about yourself or learning about other types, your spouse's type or whatever, so that you can better navigate your relationship with them, um, then we can talk about pricing models for that. Um, so again, I recorded this in dopamine.group, so please join that, dopamine.group, group, not grope, group, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E. Um, please answer the questions. If you don't answer the questions, you do not get in the group. I will be recording these episodes in the group, and um, that way you can interact with me during this recording, and uh, it'll be a jolly good time. So um, one last um, programming note. I just launched my podcasting course, which is talking about everything that I know about podcasting from conception to execution. So you go to cnotes.thinkific.com. I'll come up with a better short URL in the future. But if you want to check that out, cnotes.thinkific.com, you can check out the course there. It is 70% off until June 8th. So go, go, go. Um, that's everything. I'm going to kick this off with the outro, but uh, I appreciate you guys. Take care of yourselves and each other. Whether you're alone, feeling lonely, please talk to each other, take care of each other, be good to one another, and uh, go do some fun things. Love you guys. Mwah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for watching and or listening. If you thought this was a dope show, but wait until next week because it's always going to get better. That's kind of the point, isn't it? <laughs> If you would like, please go to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts and please leave us a positive review or, you know, if you have a problem, let me know and I'll try to fix it too. Um, but if you're watching on YouTube as well, please hit the like button, subscribe, hit all the comments, all that good stuff. We appreciate the love. We appreciate you guys. And, um, you know, we're going to keep doing it for you and do the best we can. So thanks for listening. Go to HowMyNameIsChristian.com or Dopamine.life. Check us out or CNote.media to learn how to make your own podcast and videos and go from there. So catch you guys later.